0: Welcome to the Tin Lounge, where travel advisors Corrine and Teresa read you the travel industry news headlines that are currently unread in your inbox so you can leave here feeling informed. On today's full episode, we're going to cover the latest travel
1: industry news. Things have definitely been happening. I'm Corrine, co-owner of Journey's Travel Company and creator of Travel Biz Boss.
0: And I'm Teresa, owner of Get Out Custom Travels and creator of Fan With Intention. We've got a lot to cover, but before we get started, we wanted to give a shout out to our podcast network, Trav Market Media. Head on over to TravMarketMedia.com to find some other fantastic travel podcasts. All right, news. This week (laughs) has been all over the board, but personally, I'm enjoying reading the news again. I don't know about Uh, you. Oh, yes, absolutely. (laughs) There's been so many neat things happening
1: this week. And I told Teresa, I'm going all cruise this week um, because I do sell a lot of cruises, but mostly because a lot of the news is cruise-centered this week. So we're going to cover some cruise stuff, and then we want to talk a little bit about Europe as well. Um, I'm going to start with a really simple one. There's an article in Travel Age West called Five Cruise Companies Offering Additional Support to Travel Agents Right Now. And there's definitely more than five. As I'm looking through this list, they're kind of outlining some of the things that cruise lines are doing. But we're seeing a lot of like um, increased commissions, bonus commissions, paying commissions earlier, things like that. But they're kind of they have some of that in here, but they're talking about things like how Carnival Cruise Line is offering additional support in a from the funnel webcast that they're having, where the BDMs get on and kind of showcase a new part or a new subject of what's going on every other month. And they're including like a lot of sales and marketing strategies, things like that, which, I mean, I'm kind of rusty. Like I I kind of need that sort of back to basics refresher, which I think we all do from time to time anyway, but especially now. Yeah. Speaking of rusty, I'm going to tell you, I'm leaving for Holbosch tomorrow. And yesterday I WhatsApped my driver. And do you know that I gave him the wrong date for my arrival, which oh would have been gosh. He's like Wednesday or tomorrow? And I was like, oh, I am so sorry. So I'm definitely gonna give him a huge tip. But um like I've never done that to a client in almost 15 years of booking travel. And I'm so glad it was myself that I did it too. But like, girl,
0: get it together. I mean, honestly, <laughs> we are our worst travel advisors. Like booking stuff for myself. 100%. It's embarrassing sometimes when I go on vacation because I'm like, do I want to tell other people that I'm a travel advisor? Because I personally forgot things for myself. Whereas for my clients, I never forget things. Everything is always, you know, to the T. I remember not booking a, an airport transfer for myself and my husband in Portland, Maine. And I did not know that at like 6am in Portland, Maine, even during busy season, there are no Ubers available. Oh, and right. a taxi was going to be over like hundred dollars to get to the airport. And they were going to take 30 minutes to come and get us at the hotel. And we would have missed our flight. So we had to share, I did not know our hotel had a free airport shuttle, I mean, come on, really? Like that's like one of the first things you you check. I didn't realize they had a free airport shuttle and you could use it, but you just had to schedule it in advance. So I had to, we had to share the airport shuttle with another couple and in the car, she's like, so what do you guys do? And I'm like, I honestly like don't even want to tell her because I'm so embarrassed.
1: Yep. I was mortified and luckily it worked out and he has the time on Wednesday, but you know, that's a big thing The mm-hmm. it's a two hour drive and he's arranging my ferry tickets and the taxi on the other end. He's fabulous. So yeah. Anyhow.
0: It's like riding uh, a bike, uh, mm-hmm. but you got to still practice up and down the the driveway a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So it's good to take advantage of these
1: educational resources that some Mm -hmm. companies are offering. And then I'm sure that many of you will identify with how tired we are of sitting on hold with these suppliers. Um, I try to be understanding, but it really starts to get on your nerves. I actually just had to hang up after being on hold with Disney for a couple hours to record the podcast because I just couldn't wait any longer. But on that note, Emerald Waterways and Scenic – are offering bonus commission if you book with their online booking engine. So they're trying to incentivize people to stay off the phone. And I realize sometimes that's not possible, but they're given a little extra gravy if you book online because everyone's scrambling to kind of restaff now, now that things are picking up, but you can't just snap your fingers and have people that are trained and ready to go. Mm-hmm. So um, that's nice. And then region seven C's, is having like a, a sweepstakes for travel advisors where you can win a free luxury cruise valued at approximately $20,000. And they're asking for testimonials. So obviously, this article will be linked in the show notes if you want to enter that. Um, Silver Sea is boosting commissions with a bonus commission that's a flat $200 on certain things. So those are just some of the programs. I think, you know, we know like Royal Caribbean has been offering loans to travel advisors. Everyone's trying to do something to help out the community. If you just look for those resources, I'm sure Mm -hmm. you will find them and we've linked them. (laughs) (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. I feel like the level of support our suppliers have been offering has been evolving through time and it's so nice to see how they are taking, um, current events and they're being sensitive to what it is that the travel advisors need. And I think it shows that they're actually listening to us, which is great. You know, prior to COVID, we don't, they may have heard us, but not really done anything about it. But because of COVID, I feel like they're hearing a lot of stuff from travel advisors in terms of what we need, what we hope to see and kind of taking that into consideration as we rev up this travel, travel scene again.
1: Yeah. And like I said, they're stepping up where they can and how they can. It is frustrating when you know they're understaffed and you have mm-hmm. to sit on hold for hours, but at the same time, it's not on purpose. like right. they're doing their best to get restaffed and and make it financially workable. and we you know I just I just know I'm gonna be on hold, so I try to plan my day where I'm gonna multitask during that time mm-hmm. and and I just surrender.
0: Yeah. What I want to ask people who are listening, like what is the craziest thing you've done during your hold time? So for me, I have prepped cooked and eaten dinner and still have been on hold. Oh yeah. First of all, (laughs) if you
1: don't have wireless earphones, you are really missing out. Uh, My AirPods are life. I actually have two sets because I need one to be charged up at all times. I have gotten in the shower when I, <laughs> um, in that case it's just on speaker, not an ear but like I am pulling laundry out. I am doing the dishes. I am cleaning my room. I'm putting on makeup, whatever it is, but I yeah. am out and about yeah. if I don't have something at my desk that I can, you know, I'm clearing emails, doing work stuff. But mm-hmm. well, the other day I was, um, it was Friday. I was on hold forever because the person at Royal Caribbean had to go to resolutions on one out of five bookings. And I had to be somewhere. I was going to see um, our favorite local tour guide play in his band. So I'm like, all right, we're just taking it on the road. She's just getting one last thing taken care of while going down the elevator. I lost oh, the no. And I just was like, please, please let her. Just finish this up and send me the confirmation, and she did. So it worked out oh fine. But I was like, "What a relief!" I have to call back tomorrow. Uh, but I wasn't thinking about the elevator ride, and I wasn't going to walk down twelve flights of stairs because right. I had already walked ten thousand steps that day, <laughs> uh, going to a bagel shop. Um, but
0: you know, it's just
1: a fact of life right now,
0: right? Um, This one article that I have is from Travel Pulse, and it's titled U.S. Travel Calls for Timeline to Reopen International Travel. And when we think about international travel, oftentimes we're thinking about Americans being able to travel outside of our borders to other countries. This one specifically touches on allowing travelers from other countries to come into the U.S. Um, And they are looking for um, either the CDC um, or the government in conjunction with each other to put together a timeline or at least guidelines to open up U S destinations to people from Europe, Asia, you know, we, a lot of our country is run on tourism, for example, like just being, just being in Florida, like Orlando, for example, with theme parks and stuff like that. So Um, Leaders in both the travel and aviation industries are asking for a plan by May 1st, 2021. Um, If things are able to open up, we'll see hotels being boosted again. Um, We'll see hospitality industry growing again. And we've already read about conferences starting back up in certain cities this year, which is great. But a lot of that is still domestic. Um, Let me see what number they gave for how much money could come in if they were to allow international travelers in this year. So I this just article-
1: checked that off the excess baggage list. Well, this article thorough. says
0: we're travel to resume by July 4th, 2021 and reach approximately 40% of 2019 levels for the remainder of the year. U S travel says it would stimulate an economic recovery by adding $30 billion in incremental spending and bringing back 225,000 American jobs. So, you know, the letters also states that controlling the pandemic should also be the utmost priority, um, which is why they're trying to have, you know, the CDC or the government put together some guidelines that takes the protocols into consideration, but also allows for opening the U S up for international tourists.
1: Yeah. That is a huge thing that I think a lot of us don't think about, I have some more cruise stuff. Uh,
0: I'm thinking we
1: (laughs) need more cruise stuff. (laughs) I actually have two articles, which they're everywhere, but these ones happen to be from Travel Weekly and Travel Agent Central. I am sure that everyone saw the news this week that both Royal Caribbean and Celebrity have decided to resume North America cruising, but from outside ports so that they don't have to deal with the CDC any longer. Um, this one from Travel Weekly, Richard Fain says that the company's experience with the quantum of the seas from Singapore and its two European brands, which I'm not going to pronounce, have shown that cruising can be done safely during the pandemic. Um, So they are, and we already saw they're going to sail out of Israel as well. So they're kind of following those examples to try to create the best possible experience. They are requiring vaccinations, which is, you know, a little bit of a hubbub on the boards. Um, From my understanding, I know Celebrity, and I guess I need to clarify with Royal, it's going to be a 40% occupancy. And then Celebrity, there was a, a, a Zoom call with Dondra, one of our favorite ladies. And she was saying that they believe they're going to be able to allow people to do what they want in port because of the restrictions, the testing, the vaccinations, everything that they're doing, um, they don't think they will have to require people to be on a cruise line excursion. So I think that you're going to see a lot, like there's people that are going to be upset that there's a vaccination requirement, there's people that are going to be thrilled that there's a vaccination requirement, but even the people who don't love it, they also wouldn't love the stringent requirements without the vaccination, only the cruise line excursions, masks everywhere, reservations to go to the pool that, <laughs> that was being talked about. Like, um, I think that these cruise lines leaving from non-U.S. ports and having all of these health requirements is going to get people as close as possible to the cruise experience that they're used to. So it is very exciting. And I'm seeing people on Facebook like no one's going to do that because of their vaccination. And it's like, oh, man, these things are going to sell out so fast. It's going to make our heads spin like 40 percent occupancy. That's not a lot. It's one ship apiece. It's going to be like like the Hunger Games
0: (laughs) 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 to get these cabins. Um, When I saw the news, um, I... Immediately pictured in my head what it felt like to be on a cruise ship. Mm -hmm. And I personally, I'm not a huge ocean going cruiser at all. However, during COVID times, there were points where I'm like, you know, what would be so nice right now? A three night, four day booze cruise just going to the Bahamas. <laughs> I just want to hear some steel drums, pet, pet, pet. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just want to dance it out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I like doing, I don't know, a lot of people they hate on carnival, but I will tell you, they have such a fun onboard experience mm-hmm. and it's truly like a fun ship. I don't book a ton of them for my clients um, because they don't usually ask for them, but personally, You know, carnival does come in handy for certain times. And I think, you know, for me being in Florida, doing a four day, three night cruise to the Bahamas, I am okay with that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it just depends on the purpose of the trip. Those are the types of things I love to do with a group of friends Mm -hmm. because it's sort of like everyone can sort of do their own thing, but then you meet back up for your dinner and so you're together, but everyone's... And also... One thing I love about uh, cruising with friends because I am a granny and I want to go to bed early. Mm-hmm. I don't have to catch an Uber by myself back to the cabin. <laughs> you know, I don't have to leave. It, I just go. Everyone can keep partying and I just go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm up right it's now. Like, ooh, it's like, ooh,
0: it's 1030 PM. I'm kind of hungry right now. I just want a snack. Guess what? You can go and get one. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and mm-hmm. get one. Meet
1: back on the dance floor. Yeah. Um, Something else interesting from the Travel Weekly article is Richard Fain was kind of talking about how, you know, a lot of travel advisors are still frustrated with the CDC's glacial pace of progress. I guess Miranda's (laughs) running the show. Um, When it comes to getting cruise ships back in operation and he's referring to the CSO, which is like that the thing that was providing a path for cruising to resume Mm -hmm. but to remember that when the CSO was written, there was not a vaccination available. So he's hoping to see some changes around that. I have been hearing really good things about resumption, you know, like that things are going well with the CDC. When I see this happening, when these cruise lines are saying, okay, we're done fighting with you. We're going to move business out. Number one, it's just like, momentum is being created. So I think we're going to see things keep moving forward. It's like a forcing of it. And then I also wonder, you know, like, if the governor of Florida is going to lose it because of the economic impact, if we're just going to say, okay, we're not going to sail from Florida ports, we're going to, we're going to take it elsewhere. If that will give them a push, like,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: we're not going to be stopped at this point, something has to give. So I'm interested. I'm interested to see where it goes, and I just feel like any forward movement is going to like gain momentum and keep things moving forward. So it's, I think it's exciting for a lot of people, especially since they are taking the health precautions very seriously, and they also are basing this on the experience in Singapore and some of the European cruise lines. It's not like they're just, hey, let's give it a try. You know, there's some <laughs> yeah, there's they've some already done data. it
0: elsewhere. So yeah. there's some data just, to back it yeah. up. Yep.
1: Super exciting.
0: Is there another cruise article you want to talk about? I know you mentioned having a few. I think the other stuff I have is for river cruising. Ooh, let's save that. Let's save that one.
1: (laughs) Should we we jump into excess baggage? Yeah, let's do excess baggage. All right. It's time for excess baggage, which is a speed round of headlines that are pretty self-explanatory. So you can learn a lot in just a couple of minutes. According to Travel Weekly, Southwest has resumed its pre-pandemic boarding procedure in which 30 passengers are called to board at once, while another 30 passengers are asked to line up just on the other side of the carrier's boarding columns. They also report that UnCruise Adventures will mandate that adults be fully vaccinated to sail with a line this summer in Alaska. Another, I'm sorry, an article from Travel Age West says that in response to the pent-up demand for travel and a significant desire for amazing bucket list vacations, Railbookers has introduced its first-ever Luxury Rail Journeys brochure. The marketing piece offers a variety of high-end customizable rail journeys, including the Venice Simplon Orient Express and the Belmont Royal Scotsman and many others. Travel Market Report says that in another sign that pent-up travel demand is starting to slowly shift into action – The TSA on Sunday screened 1.54 million passengers, the most since March 13 of 2020. They also report that Crystal Cruise's first sailings in the Americas since last March opened to the line's single biggest day of bookings in its history. This is what I'm talking about. Crystal, which announced its return on March 11th with sailing starting on July 3rd, said that on Friday... It has received reservations from more than 4,000 travelers, accounting for more than 25% of the capacity for the 16th sailing season within the first 24 hours of opening bookings. Hunger Games. An article in Travel Agent Central says, in a, another positive step for the cruise industry 2021 restart, American Countess, the newest addition to American Queen's Steamboat Company's fleet, set sail from New Orleans on Sunday after a celebratory christening event dockside. Another one from them says that 57% of Americans plan to travel for spring break. And last, a very positive one from Recommend Magazine, Croatia is once again open for U.S. travelers. The current regulations on entry to Croatia are fluid and will be updated regularly as the country approaches its tourist season, which operates from May
0: through October. And that's it for excess baggage. Just a reminder that all the articles we've referenced today can be found in the show notes. Please remember that we didn't write the news; we're just sharing it. And we got a lot of um, chill, inspiring, or chill-inducing news pieces. And excess baggage, at least for me, I'm hearing yes. you like say all these like really good news. Pieces, and I'm just like, oh my goodness, chills, chills, chills. So, so encouraging, absolutely. I think that all of us,
1: I can certainly speak for myself and most people I know and my clients, are just dying to get back to Europe. So, what's the story?
0: <laughs> um, well, there is an article in AFAR that asks, when will we be able to travel to Europe? And we've heard articles about Iceland opening up. I think it was like last week we were like, oh my gosh. They announced on St. Patrick's Day, March 17th, saying, starting tomorrow, we are allowing anyone (laughs) with a (laughs) vaccine to come in to travel in Iceland. And they have done such a great job with managing COVID within their country. And I know Iceland relies a lot on tourism right now. So, you know, we've seen articles on Iceland And on Greece, and, you know, a lot of these countries can't afford to have multiple tourism seasons canceled. So with this being said, um, this article says, as COVID-19 vaccine rollouts continue to progress in the U.S. and abroad, a handful of European countries, including Iceland and Slovenia, have started opening up to vaccinated travelers. Will others follow suit? So this article that we'll link in the show notes gives really great information um, for multiple countries that have started opening up borders. So um, some of them they mentioned, obviously, Iceland, um, Estonia, Slovenia, Greece. Um, and they also mentioned that Europe could have COVID-19 vaccine passports by summer, um, which is for traveling within the Schengen um Schengen territory. So, you know, a a big question that I've seen from a lot of travel advisors is what do travelers need to present as proof of the vaccine? And I don't think that has really been made clear yet. You know, is the little paper that you get after your second dose of the vaccination, if you have a two dose shot, you know, is that going to be sufficient do we need you know once the digital passport opens up like do we need to upload it what is the process and i think currently that's what we're struggling with is to have some kind of consistency standard. and standard um there was a tiktok that i saw and multiple people i know sent me the tiktok and they were like is this true and there was a gentleman in the tiktok who was saying guys Um, vaccines will be required for all travel to all countries. And this paper that you get at your vaccination site is not going to be sufficient. You need the yellow booklet from the WHO. It needs to be stamped by a doctor, this and this and this. And a lot of people are freaking out because they're like, Oh no, I got the vaccine. Where do I get the book? How do I get my doctor to stamp it? And when I saw that, I'm like, let's, reel this in for a second here first of all it seems like everyone's going to go digital no one has mentioned needing the yellow booklet from the who so part also, of it is that's tick that's TikTok. it's it social is, media it's it not is the news TikTok. exactly <laughs> and it's like but, but you know that millions of people are watching this video and starting to freak out a little bit because they You know, he sounds like he knows what he's talking about. And so, of Mm. course, they're sending this to me and asking me. And I'm like, this is why you need an actual travel professional to help you with this. There's so much um, information out there that's not true. So in saying that, all we can do is just keep abreast of the situation that's, you know, constantly developing. um, And we're just seeing new things come out every week based on you know, new talks about what is it that we need to provide documentation wise.
1: Yep. And you just reminded me and I went and pulled up this article that I had not linked, but we will, is another one from afar that is talking about how Europe proposes the certificate to reopen travel by summer. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing is, is they're saying being vaccinated will not be a precondition to travel and Americans are still not on the welcome list. <laughs> So, but again, these are the types of moves that are going to gain momentum. Take the first step. Let's get the first step. And so they're trying to get some sort of a um, certificate that will allow travel to resume within Europe. Because it's exactly what you said. Like they can't afford to lose another tourism season. And then hopefully things will go well and they will let us in (laughs) eventually. Um, But... The point is that things are moving. Let's just keep moving slowly forward, fiercely forward, and um, and we'll get there. I, as it is, we know we've got Iceland,
0: Croatia, Greece is looking really good next. Slovenia, yeah. um, which is beautiful, by the way. Like most people, they don't really think about Slovenia, um, but tacking it on to Croatia. I mean, I think I would go to Slovenia on its own, actually. I wouldn't need to tack it on to anything else. But Yep.
1: All right. So I think you and I both have an article from Travel Age West talking about how lines are preparing to restart Europe river cruising. So we're back on cruises, but we're also talking
0: Europe. Europe. Um, I will say, I know a lot of people feel this way once they go on river cruises, but I love river cruising. It's my favorite. It It is is my favorite way to travel. Perfect melding of everything. And for people like us who are travel advisors who are consistently putting together itineraries for people where there's so many moving parts and, you know, you're needing to catch a train to go from one place to another, packing, unpacking. I feel like river cruising is the perfect experience for us because we can just relax on the trip. And still uh, see a ton of once. different destinations. I'm all about it. Now, I usually do tack some
1: land on each end. Mm-hmm. And in 2019, we did like a 16-night Europe trip that ended on a river cruise. So it was like, go, 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 pack, unpack, move, but and then bliss, unpack, and leave it for a week. Mm-hmm. It was so nice. Um so it is my favorite way to travel. Ocean cruising of course has that same side effect. However, I heard once from a BDM this sort of cheesy saying, river cru- no, ocean cruises take you to places, river cruises take you through places, and that's yes. exactly the difference. Mm-hmm. It's so casual. I love because we know I love to eat a meal with strangers. I love to get to know everybody on the ship. It's only like 100 people, so you really get to talk to people several times, get to know each other and just pull right up walk off in most cases walk right off the boat and you're headed into town it's um i love it i love it it is of course a small bite of each destination so if you really like to immerse yourself that is the one downside but um you want to tell us a little about what the article says about restarting
0: yeah. So it says after more than a year of uncertainty and closed borders, European river cruise lines and anxious travelers are increasingly hopeful for a return to sailing. And this kind of touches on all the improvements and progress we're making because of you know the availability of vaccines, because of more controlled numbers, um, and. Major cruise lines for river cruising, such as um, Alma Waterways and Scenic Group and Avalon, um, they list different things that they're changing in terms of experience on board, and it's not bad things. So, for example, they're not going to—they're going to limit, if not completely, do away with the buffet-style meals. You know, for like breakfast and lunch and whatever, it's going to just be table service. Um, he. Let me see. I love that, by the way. I'm all, I am realize
1: that, logistically speaking, the buffet is really the way to go so that people can spend as much time off the boat, but I, I like table service, personally.
0: Yeah, I don't want to work. Like, I don't want to decide standing there what I want to eat. And I'm pretty clumsy, so I feel like whenever I go to scoop something, something always spills, something always, like... So Same. table service would be great. Um, so right now, one of the major limitations for them is waiting for all those European countries to actually open up. So for example, like Germany and Austrian and really popular places to go river cruising. Um, but river cruise lines, like Avalon waterways for one says it's ready to go as soon as borders open back up. So that's the next biggest thing is just waiting for those borders to be open. Yeah. Yeah. And something they're saying is that they're really looking to
1: keep things very flexible in terms of the terms, the rate terms, because mm-hmm. they want everyone to feel comfortable going ahead and getting that 22 cruise on the books. And as it was, you know, the limited occupancy of these ships, they sold out way early, like more than a year out. A lot of times these ships would be sold out. And so mm-hmm. now because everyone who's an avid river cruise we're, river cruiser like ourselves is going to be dying to get on one. Like we do need to tell our clients if river cruising is what you want to do. We got to get on it.
0: Yeah. And even so with the limited capacity and stuff compared to ocean going cruises, a lot of river cruise lines are offering incentives for booking. So for example, Revere river cruises um, it says it'll start sailing on May 17th and to Try and assist advisors. They're offering incentives to create new bookings for 2021 and 2022. They have flexible customer care policies, including free changes to new bookings and cancellation protection, as well as an onboard credit of up to $550. So there are a lot of incentives and promotions in place as well to try and get those bookings up. Love that.
1: Well, speaking of river cruising, I actually mentioned this in last week's Excess Baggage, but I wanted to talk about it a little more today since we were on this subject. Uh, Uniworld, which is my favorite, has added conscious travel itineraries, which I love. We have talked many times over this last year about how people might pay more attention to sustainability and just like travel that aligns more with our personal values. And so UniWorld and You by UniWorld are going to begin offering itineraries aimed at having a positive impact on the people and communities that they visit on the sailings. And I love that. That's very attractive to me. Um, I really loved Fathom. This is not like Fathom. It's not like volunteerism, but I just love that idea of a very balanced give and take Um, through tourism. So they're going to be called make travel matter. They'll be offered in 21 and 22 throughout India, Europe and the middle East directly advancing United nations, global goals, including clean water and sanitation, gender equality and sustainability.
0: I'm in, I think this would be really appealing to a lot of travelers, especially I think the millennial, I know just generational millennials, kind of like incorporating that aspect into their travel. They want to make their trip mean something, you know, and a lot of times it's like it means something to them individually, but if we're able to offer them a way for it to make a difference somehow in the destinations they're visiting, I can definitely see that being attractive. Yep. So some examples are like
1: on the golden triangle and sacred Ganges itinerary. They will have the opportunity to board a pedal-powered trishaw, trishaw, in the temple city of Kalna to explore the. See, I'm just setting myself at Rajbari Temple Complex. Um, they will support local artisans that have been making ornamental brass objects and visit Mother Teresa's home, um, home and tomb. So stuff like that and uh, tulips and windmills. They will have a day at a. Dutch Cheese Trail, which is a sustainable, self-sufficient dairy farm, and then a saffron tasting less Lesson. I actually did that in Austria. That was amazing. It was like a saffron farm. I did not know that anywhere that is good to grow wine grapes is also good to grow crocus until that tour.
0: I did not Super know that fun. either. Mm-hmm.
1: And they... So... There's a whole bunch of examples. There's a tutorial on how honest Belgian chocolate is made from a sustainable company called Neuhoff, which is beans harvested from their own cacao farm. I mean, I just get into that kind of stuff. I think that's kind of like hipstery.
0: Where did this <laughs>
1: chicken live? Um, <laughs> I really like to know the source of things. So, that's, I think that'll be very popular. I know I'm certainly in, and I like the creativity.
0: Like I think great for groups in terms mm-hmm. of like college alumni groups or um, there's a like different clubs. I don't know how, like social clubs in cities where a lot of the patrons and members of these clubs are always looking for ways to learn, but also they want a bougie experience, but also <laughs> to make a difference.
1: Bougie boho, like, and I think the word that we're looking for is just special people mm-hmm. want a special experience and especially they want a special now. Yes. <laughs> you know, because they've missed out on so much. Mm-hmm. So these yeah. types of really unique authentic experiences are going to be big.
0: Yeah. That's really neat. I'm actually taking notes now cause I'm just my gears are turning in my head, like, okay, what can I do to market this? Like, who can I talk to about things like this? Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a good one. that's all I have. Do you have any more? Um, I do have a couple more. Um, they're not as exciting as the European Opening up and cruises, but I still think it's important for us to talk about. So recently um, they announced that the Tokyo Olympics will still happen, but they're not allowing international spectators. On Mm -hmm. one hand, you know, of course, people who have been saving up money to go to the Olympics are very disappointed on the other hand, I am very glad the Olympics are still happening because, you know, these athletes have been training their entire lives. Oh, yeah. And, you know, being an athlete, your body just takes so much wear. there's so much wear and tear. So another four years could be absolutely detrimental if they're not able to compete. But from what I was reading, you know, prior to this announcement, people in Japan did not want the games to happen because they were just so afraid of all these people pouring in from other countries sure. and many countries who are not careful with COVID and they just did not want this huge potential spike of COVID in their small, I mean, it's, they're, they're an island nation. So, you know, they only have so many resources. Mm-hmm. So I, I saw this as a great compromise between being able to hold the games and being able to put Japan on the map as a place that could host, something as iconic as the Olympics, but still address the concerns of the people. So I'm still going to be watching the Olympics on TV. Absolutely. (laughs) I
1: don't know if I've ever mentioned this before, but Tracy and I used to have a party every two years for the opening ceremonies. Oh, nice! and we would always dress up like, something from the hosting country and and then our guests would dress up like something to do with the Olympics and usually try to make it as funny as possible. And I was just thinking about when it was in, who was it in Buenos Aires? A few years ago when it was in South America. Now I can't remember. And I dressed up like a mosquito because... (laughs) It was like when Zika was just rampant and they were worried about having it because of Zika. And then Tracy was like one of the, the, um, carnival girls so we bought one of those you know those t-shirts that have a person in a bikini on it <laughs> like, like <a> bathing <laughs> bathing suit and then we made her a feather dress and I did her makeup
0: that <laughs> it was is like so cool I feel like I need to do something similar for these olympics just to have a get together just to yeah. host something even if it was virtual it'd actually be pretty funny if yeah. everybody dressed up yeah yeah oh man Love I'm it. I'm excited for the olympics in spite of all the changes that had to be made but you know it's one of those things where you have to evolve and be sensitive with to the, the situation. Punches. Exactly. Yeah. What is something you're loving right now, Kareem?
1: I am loving spring has sprung. My allergies are not loving it, but there are these trees here that I had heard of, but now that I see them, they make me so happy. They're called Hacarandas, Jacarandas. Um, it's a huge tree that's purple when it blooms and they're everywhere. And since I'm in this high rise and I'm looking out across the city, there's just like big fluffs, big bursts of purple everywhere I look and they're enormous. So there's some cool trees in Florida that are on the smaller side that are like really bright yellow during some seasons, whatever, but to see such an enormous tree just be totally purple is something I've never seen before. It kind of reminds me of like cherry blossoms, right? Mm-hmm. Except it's purple instead of pink. And they just make me smile all the time. Every time I look out the window, when I'm walking down the street, they just put a smile on my face. So it's a simple pleasure that is really making me happy.
0: Yeah. I think that's what we're noticing now during COVID times and just coming out of COVID. Um is little things that we've never really noticed or appreciated before. And now we're just like, you know what? That's actually really nice. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I will actually tell a story the other day. And I took a picture and posted the tree on my, on my social media, but uh, I was having like a really just annoying, you know, when like nothing's going right, or a client is asking you a question that lets you know, they did not read anything you wrote and then you try to book something and there's an error or like just those little things. They're not a big deal, but I had several that morning and it just was like, mm. mm-hmm. and so I was like, let's go take a walk to this bagel shop, which there's just dreamy little bagel shop. And it's about 10,000 steps round trip. That's what I was referring to earlier. And I was like, I got to take a walk. Let's go to the bagel shop. I need a break from this. And I was just pumping. Tracy was like, man, you were really walking it out there at the beginning <laughs> my brain was just going with all these annoyances. And I had to tell myself, like, look at where you are. Like, you are living in Mexico. It is beautiful. Look at these purple trees. You own your own business. So you were able to just say, I'm walking away. I'm going to go get a bagel right now. And I just had to remind myself of all those little wonderful things that these little annoyances just don't measure up to why are why was I letting that just eat me alive? I was just mm-hmm. like so grumpy. But the walk, looking at the Hacarandas, having a delicious bagel because the lady that owns this place is from New York and she knows how to make a bagel, um, totally turned it around. And I think sometimes I don't take advantage of the fact that I can take a moment and appreciate the simple things and get my head out of that space. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad I did on that day, but I was laughing when Tracy later was like, man, you were really walking it out. Cause I was, I was just like marinating on all the things that were mm-hmm. annoying me and pumping. But I agree. I think we are noticing the simple things more. Or we need to be because it is helpful during a time like this. Right,
0: right. When I when I walk my dog, I walk her, you know, in the morning and the evening, I make it a point not to take my phone with me. I know anything can happen on the walk, but for me, I'm like, this is my no-phone time for me to just walk and look around at my surroundings, notice like the different birds, notice how each plant that I'm walking by, how different it is from last season or how different it is from like a year ago. So I use that time to really be more present. So I love that. It's, I love that. Now I do
1: worry about you because anything could happen to you because we're here and it's like city, city, and you like, first of all, I fall down. Like it's my job because I'm deaf in one <laughs> year, My balance <laughs> isn't the greatest. So I have to be super focused on where I'm stepping. Also cars are coming out of everywhere. So my phone's in my back pocket is never out while I'm walking. Mm-hmm. I would be splattered if I was looking at my phone while I was walking around here. Um, but I love that you make a point to just like, this is my time to absorb my surroundings. Yeah. And walking, you notice so much more than when you're driving right. too. I, like, oh, I never noticed this house before. How cute. I love that color. You know, mm-hmm. all those things. Yeah. yeah. And little sparks of joy.
0: So what are you loving right now? speaking about simple pleasures, I am loving on some instant coffee. Mm-hmm. And it seems like not a big deal. Um, but I know last year, was it last year? I gave up coffee for like two months. I went cold turkey and then I started reintroducing it back into my life. So I don't drink as much as I did back then, but still, instant coffee has always been a large part of my life. My mom brings a bunch back from Taiwan when she comes back. Um, and that you know, kind of put me through college a little bit in terms of keeping me awake for all-nighters to get homework done. Um, but now I'm trying out different kinds of instant coffee and literally I bought a jar of Cafe Bustello instant coffee. It's supposed to be espresso, but I'm drinking it like coffee. So it's like, I just take a spoonful of it, make it, and it's like, it tastes the same. I don't have to go through the trouble of brewing. And I do love coffee. I love a good cup of coffee that's been, you know, expertly made but in times, nice like, these, over. Yeah, in times <laughs> like these I'm just like you know what I'm okay with doing instant coffee because you know it's easy and it's simple and it's something where I don't have to think a lot about
1: well when I visited you when we had our photo shoot last summer you gave me some of the stuff I was thinking it was Vietnamese but I guess it was from Taiwan
0: I mean, Vietnam has their own. There's so many different. It was
1: delicious. (laughs) Now I will drink. Well, the funny part is that I had my first cup of coffee in my life in 2016 at 42 years old. And of course I had to have like a latte or something like that. Mm -hmm. And now I will drink any black swill you put in front of me. I don't put anything in it except a crack of salt sometimes to reduce the acidity. So sometimes you get something like that instant coffee that had like some sweetness it was It like
0: was like such 3 in a 1. Treat. It's oh, a 3 in 1 so instant good. coffee. Yep. It's like a and it's like a little treat.
1: You're right. We, when I went to Tolentongo a couple of weeks ago, we stopped at this restaurant and Cafe de Oya is like a big thing here and I hadn't had it yet. And he was like, "Oh, you have to try it." <gasps> it was very similar. It was delicious. They put like sugar and cinnamon and oh. And they use like a special mug. This place didn't have it, but usually they do. And I got to go on like a, who has the best Cafe de oya tour maybe, <laughs> it was such a treat. So what destination has been on your mind?
0: Um, Aruba has been on my mind because I'm heading there next month with my sister and I am so looking forward to it. So I'm starting early in figuring out what needs to be taken care of um, because there's no more last minute planning for myself, mainly because you need to schedule your COVID tests, make sure that, you know, you get the results in time to upload into their system. You've got to look at you know, what insurance you need to buy because the Aruba government has specific insurance you need to purchase to go to Aruba. So there's a lot of pre-planning that I need to force myself to do. And honestly, I didn't know a lot about Aruba um, because I didn't book a ton of Caribbean stuff, but everyone who's been there has loved it. And so um, another travel advisor, her name's Laura, she's with TPI and she sent me an entire list of things to do, places to eat, best seafood, best restaurant. Um, so the more I look at it, the more I'm like, I'm so excited for this. I might even, you know, rent a car for a day and drive around the island with my sister. It's a very small Island. I hear it's super easy to get around on a car in a car. So I can't wait.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And it is such a foodie destination. So that'll be fun to eat your way through it. Yeah. Um, I love it there. I was telling you like the juxtaposition of the desert with the ocean. I just love the whole look of it. That's awesome. What about you? What destination are you thinking about? I'm actually thinking about Holbox a whole lot today because I'm going there tomorrow. I'm so excited. Um, However, ever since I found out about that Ama Waterways Seven River Journey, I'm obsessed. And it's funny that... (laughs) we ended up talking so much about how river cruising is our favorite earlier because yeah. i didn't i did not know that when i was putting putting this in um that is my dream trip to just get on a river cruise and be gone for i can't even remember how long it is it was
0: like 46 days or something yeah. it was pretty long i'm what well, i'm really
1: hoping because i probably won't be ready for it when this one sale date that they have released is nor could I probably even get in at this point, but um, I'm hoping it goes really well so that it's something they will continue offering Mm -hmm. because that is like bucket list number one. I'd kill to go on that. What a relaxing way to cover so much ground. Right. And unlike an ocean world cruise, like when you get off a ship in a lot of ports from the ocean, there's another bit of transportation that it takes to get you where you want to go. Whereas with river cruising, that's usually not an issue. So Alma, take me away. <laughs> I wanna do it. <laughs> um we had scheduled it I was supposed to go this month on Uniworld from Budapest to Bucharest, so I'm really feeling the feeling the loss of that of that trip quite mm, yeah. a bit. That actually might be rescheduled for next year, so I'll, I will look forward to that. But
0: hopefully, you'll get that one in. I mean, every time when I book a trip for a client, now I'm like, "Ooh, that sounds really good. Should I go too? Or "Ooh, this one looks really good." Especially with the river cruise, I'm like, "This itinerary is what I want." <laughs> Yeah.
1: Planning travel definitely causes FOMO frequently. That's a hazard of the job. Occupational
0: hazard. That's Mm -hmm. basically it. So thanks guys for sticking with us until the end. We hope this episode has been informative. All the articles we referenced today can be found in the show notes. I don't know about you, but I can't wait to go and delete those travel news emails I've been hoarding for the past month. (laughs) If you've enjoyed the episode,
1: please subscribe, leave a review, and or share the show. Also head on over to our Facebook and Instagram pages which are both under The Tin Lounge. We'll link those in the show notes.
0: Next week we will have another mini bar and hopefully be able to bring you some more great news and we I feel like we've gone through COVID together and I am <laughs> very much looking forward to coming out of COVID Absolutely.
1: together. And we were recently asked when we did that event for Millennials and Travel, whether or not we were going to continue the podcast post-pandemic. And obviously, I mean, the the travel news is never going away. Um, I have always been bombarded by news emails. Obviously, we we were like drowning in it during the pandemic and still are, but we're always going to be here dishing out what's going on for as long as, as long as it is serving the community. I'm like, this is a long-term committed relationship,
0: right? <laughs> <laughs> and I can't wait for the day when the news that we bring you is good, like all like all good, you know? Yes. None of, no more canceled cruises, none of, none of the negative and, um, you know, kind of saddening news for industry. We'll get to a day where We'll be able to bring you all completely good news. We'll be like Oprah
1: and we're Cruising. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again for joining us in the Tin lounge where you can learn a lot in a short amount of time. We'll see you next week.
0: Bye Cause, 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 no one can do it like we do it like
1: we do it like we do it.